Uh, with that, I'd like to uh, invite our speakers up. This is uh, Dr. Rob Reimer and Dr. Martin Sanders. And uh, they are many, many, many things, uh, but to me, they are friends. And to our church, they are friends. And so we, we love you, and we're thankful for you. Thank you. Allow me to begin by thanking you. A, it's been a great weekend. But B, I want to thank you personally. Uh, for some of you, I'm just Bo's dad. Lots of places now where I go. I've been reduced to that, which is kind of a fun thing, though. And I just want to say thank you for taking good care of Bo and Christy for a long time. I feel like I know so many of you because of the stories. The good ones, of course. The others were left out or forgotten long ago. This morning I want to uh, begin to talk to you about what Jesus does when he heals your life. You know, sometimes we compartmentalize, and there's various kinds of healing, and Jesus did that. There was, you know, clearly people who were healed physically, and there were people that needed extra things as well. But this morning, I want to look at a passage where literally Jesus heals someone's entire life. It's kind of fun when you get a whole life healing, sort of all at once. And so we're going to be looking at Luke 7 this morning. And I want to, I want to just begin by talking about the language of deep emotion. I know where I am, and I know my audience, and so we're going to figure out a couple of things about you. I'm aware that for the vast majority of us in the room, the language of deep emotion is not the norm, uh, particularly for the men. If I was to ask you about your life, some of you would have a hard time coming up with really deep emotion terminology. So we're going to work at that. There are six primary human emotions. Sad, angry, scared, happy, excited, tender. Now, some of us have a much easier time accessing one more than the other. For some of you, sadness is too much of a friend. For others, hurt is the norm. Some of you are probably world-class with anger. If not, you know someone who is. But as we move down the list, I'm fascinated by the one tender. Now, if we were to greet each other this morning as we walked in, it would be interesting to see if we said to, we'll start with the men, to say to the men, how you doing, mate? And if a guy goes, I don't know, I'm a little tender this morning. <laughs> that would not be a very long conversation. It, it just wouldn't. It's not, it's not one we use, and yet every man can access tenderness. I can give five or six examples. It's just not one we access. Now, I am uh, in my 31st year as a graduate school professor. Now, I know I don't look old enough to have done it. I started as a mere lad, obviously. But every summer, because of that, you always do a big summer reading project. So I gather all sorts of books on one topic and read them all at once. Well, one year, I did 34 books on failure. My favorite one was called Complete and Utter Failure. And it wasn't my biography. It was, it was all, it was short bios of all the people that you know their, their names, but you know their names because of their one great success. 
and it documented all their other failures. Now, the following year, I decided I wanted to understand women. I don't know why that's funny. I noticed that laughter was predominantly male. Did you notice that? Well, I read 37 books on women and emotions. The authors were from eight different countries. And my conclusion was, God alone understands women, if indeed he does. Here's what I found so interesting, was that the women's research would actually counteract each other. And one woman, a, a Swedish physicist actually, said, if you ask the same group of women, the identical same questions, three weeks apart, you get very different responses. And women go, well, of course. And the rest of us go, thank you, that explains our life. And so we want to spend a little time just looking at the deep emotion. I want to take you to Luke chapter 7. In Luke 7, we have this unique passage. I want you to just listen. Your headings are really interesting in Bibles. I don't know who came up with this. Apparently, the guy doing headings, it was a bad day for him. Because mine says, Jesus is anointed by a sinful woman. I'm going, seriously? That's the most creative you could be? That's, that's how you want her to be known for a few thousand years? The sinful woman. Just listen. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to a dinner party, and when he went, he was reclining at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life came, the town learned of it while Jesus was there eating in the house, and she brought with her an alabaster jar of perfume, and stood behind him at the table weeping, and began to wet his feet with her tears, and then wiped them with her hair, and kissed them, and then poured perfume upon them. Now I notice none of you are laughing. This is a hilarious passage. Let me sell you on that, since you seem to not be capturing this. Um, I, if you look at this, no matter what season of history, um, or culture. This is just interesting. Let me walk this through with you. What we have is a invitation-only, male-only dinner party, and a woman decides to crash it. Now, I just need to know audience, because audiences vary all the time. How many of you in the last three years have crashed a party? Let me just see my audience. How many? We have one who's leaving. Good. <laughs> That might be a response that's worthwhile. Here she is. It's, this is a formalized party. And she shows up, but she doesn't stand in the corner quietly like, I'm just going to sneak in and be here, sort of see what the guys are doing. Oh, no, no, no. She comes in and makes a scene. So she comes and stands behind Jesus. No, she's, she's uninvited. And she comes, again, they're not sitting at a table, they're reclining. It's the Middle East. So the table's this high off the floor, and he's, they're leaning on their elbows, they have pillows. And she comes and stands behind Jesus. That's important to the story. And as she's there, she opens up, she has perfume. Now, you know this, but just let me remind you. When, men and women view smells very differently. Women, of course, like things that smell good. Men, on the other hand... Not quite so much. 
there, in these next few weeks, there will be all sorts of candle shops at malls. Notice who's there and who's vastly absent. Until the last day, when he doesn't have a gift. And then you'll see several blokes in there. Now, every guy here has some time in his life had some sort of bag, gym bag, duffel bag, something. And he cleans it out, but not always thoroughly. And somewhere along the line, he finds something in there that's been in there God only knows how long. So what does he do? He pulls it out. What does he do? He sniffs it. And the worse it is, the more he laughs. And if there's a friend around, it's like, Joe, come here, smell this. So women, of course, would never find something. and They'd be embarrassed. They wouldn't call a friend over and go, see how bad I smell? So it's just one of the big differences. So they're at the dinner party. She stands behind him. Again, not quietly, but she begins to weep. Not cry, weep. The Bible uses very different terms. There's crying, there's sobbing, there's weeping, and then there's wailing. This is stage three. She's weeping. Now, let's talk about gender differences again for just a moment. Men, we know that one of the times we are the most uncomfortable is when the woman in your life is crying. Correct? Now, this is not me, but some men will argue that women know that about us and sometimes use it to their advantage. I'm not saying that. But others have said that. So here she is crying. Now, I don't know what it is about me. I, I honestly don't. But when people come to my office, they tend to cry. In my mind, I'm the nicest guy I know, but that does not appear to be the case every time. Just before I left to come on this trip, I had four people in one afternoon, and I went through a box and a half of tissues. Three women, one man. I'm not going to tell you their issues. He obviously had issues. If you ever got a guy in my office crying, there's something there. But we just go through these tissues. Now, I discovered it takes a lot of time to listen to someone cry through their stuff. And it's a little rude to text, but I do, because uh, they're not looking up. I mean, they're not noticing what I'm doing. And I figured out a long time ago, one of the best things for me to do is when someone's crying is to stare at them. Like, lean in and stare. Two reasons. There's no sense in, in just one of us being uncomfortable. <laughs> and so if you lean in, I also notice that the crying shortens. F forgive me, I just, I'm committed to dreadful honesty. And this is a fun passage, you get to say things like this. So here she is weeping behind Jesus, and she lets her tears fall on his feet. Of course, this is the Middle East in that era and now. She uncovered her head, unfolded her hair, and began to wipe her, his feet with her tears. And then she began to kiss them. Now, I asked earlier for accountability. Let's do one more. In the last three years again, how many of you have had someone in public kissing your feet? You want to weigh in on this one? Okay. <laughs> Just checking in, trying to figure out my audience. Okay. We've got a fairly formalized, subdued audience here. So you don't always understand this as you work your way into this. And then she pours this perfume on his feet. 
Now, again, I don't care where you're from. This is a funny story. If you were there, you'd go, does she not know you're not supposed to do this? So just honestly, it's an awkward situation. And so the passage actually says this. When the Pharisee who'd invited Jesus saw what was happening, he said to himself, if this man were really a prophet, wouldn't he know who she, what kind of woman she is? That she's a sinner. Wouldn't he know that? Doesn't he know who she is? This is a classic Jesus story for two reasons. One, so many of the best Jesus stories always identify someone that everybody else overlooks. The one who's forgotten. The one who has, hasn't gotten the breaks in life that others had. And he comes alongside to be there with them and for them. And so in this passage, he says, doesn't, she, doesn't he know who she is? And Jesus said to Simon, he said, Simon, I want to tell you something. I always love it when Jesus is sort of the regular guy, and he goes, Simon, pay attention, son, I want to tell you something. Listen. Simon says, tell me, teacher. And he said, two men owed money to a certain money lender. One of them 500 denarii, the other only 50. Neither one could pay back the money, so he canceled the debt on both. Now, which one of them, which one of them will love him more? Simon, being a man of wisdom, said, I, I suppose the one who owed the bigger debt. And Jesus said, exactly. This is the summary statement of the entire passage. Bottom line, which one loves more? The rest of this story unfolds in Jesus' mind. There's no politics here. It's not preferential treatment. It's this one thing. Who loves more? You can summarize almost everything of Jesus. Almost all of the kingdom. Who loves more? Look at how the next part of the passage unfolds. Notice the directional aspects of the test, the text. They're very important to how this unfolds. Then Jesus turned towards the woman and he said to Simon. Now notice, he turns to Simon, but he's talking about the woman. And he said, Simon, do you see this woman? And I'm sure Simon went, see her? She's ruined my dinner party. Like, how could I miss her? She's, everything smells now. She's cried. Dude, she's kissing your feet. This is a little weird. I don't care where you're from, Jesus. This one's a little weird. You're asking me if I see her? Yes, I can see her. She's right there. Jesus says to him, buddy, I came into your house. You didn't give me any, uh, any water for my feet, and yet she's not stopped... Um, working with my feet, with her tears, wiping them with her hair. So when you didn't give me a kiss, then as now, you always kiss on both cheeks, men to men, women to women. Rob and I both travel a fair amount internationally. One of the first things you always check out is how do people greet each other. And do you, do you kiss a cheek? Do you kiss one? Do you kiss both? Is it three? 
And if you're someone that they view as honored, sometimes people forget to tell you it's different. So you always want to know. Otherwise, it's awkward and you mash noses and things. So you always have to know, how, how many am I supposed to do? And do you actually touch the cheek or do you do the air kiss? That's, you also have to know that one. Well, Jesus said, Simon, you didn't even kiss my cheek. And yet this woman, since I've come in, not stopped kissing my feet. He said, you didn't give me any refreshment for my head. At that time, there would have been a bit of an oily water thing that they put on to refresh it. He said again, she put perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you this, Simon. It's like, Simon, pay attention, son. Come on. Her many sins have been forgiven. Remember I said, it's about love? He said, for she loved much. She loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. This weekend we've talked about forgiveness. Forgiveness is always one of the keys to healing of the soul. It's a forgiveness that you have. It's a forgiveness you receive. It's a forgiveness you offer in return. Forgiveness has to be offered, received. It's about being released. There's this sense of freedom. Got a phone call just a couple years ago from one of my female friends. And she said, Martin, did you watch Oprah today? I said, you know, I, I, I missed Oprah today. She goes, I assume that. So I've already contacted them. They are overnighting the episode to you. Based on the power of our relationship, I'm going to ask in the next four days, you carve out an hour to watch it. Fine. So I came home a little early, popped some popcorn. I always do that. That way, if I don't like what's going on, I just throw popcorn at the screen. It's better than getting angry or aggressive. Just throw stuff at the screen. Diana used to go, why does our TV have these funny little greasy spots? I said, I don't know. I'm assuming it's one of the children. I have, <laughs> I have no idea. But I'm assuming that's what it is. There were seven people on Oprah that day. All happened to be women. And they were telling dreadful stories of their life, their hurt, abuse. They were real stories. I don't want to play it down at all. They were tough stories. The kinds of things that people shouldn't have to endure. But what I found interesting is every time as the story was unfolding, a, a little too long, too many details, Oprah would interrupt and just simply say, you know you have to forgive. And every woman pushed back, as if you could push back at Oprah. Come on, you don't get to do that. And, and Oprah would say, it see, it doesn't matter. I know I don't know your story. I know I don't know how bad it made you feel, experience, etc. But here's what I know. If you don't forgive, you'll never be free. The person, the incident, the experiences, the memories will always have a hold over you. You're not forgiving them for them. You're forgiving them for you. And everyone pushed back and she said, then all you will remember is how badly you're hurt. And I'm sitting there going, you go, girlfriend. I said, oh, Oprah gets this better than church does sometimes. It's about being released. Released. 
Notice here the Simon narrative, because it's in marked contrast to the woman who had been forgiven. The Simon narrative was this. This was the guy who invited Jesus, the nice house, the guy who had position. He stood in marked contrast. You see, Simon took his own stuff for granted. He thought he was a pretty good guy. The text will let you know that. That's why Jesus focused in on him and said, you see, if you don't figure out how much you are to be forgiven of, you'll never ever get this. Having an adequate picture of what we're really like is crucial. Some of us give ourselves far too much credit. Some of us say, I think in my mind I'm the nicest person I know. If you put it to a vote, it may not be unanimous. And some of the rest of us are far too hard on ourselves. We have to remind people all the time. I don't know if you know this, but if God could speak directly to you, he'd probably say something like, you have no idea how good you probably are. It's time for you to get that. You're way better than you know. It sounds like what a father would say. What a good father would say. Simon had this thing where he took his own stuff for granted. And he developed what's called a religious spirit. Where he assumed that he was right almost all the time. And he forgot that the grace of God was for other people too. And he forgot that it really is. It really is about love. Let's talk about that for just a minute. To reduce the best of God down to love is hard on one hand, but absolutely necessary on the other. I mean, it's the greatest of the commandments, both testaments. Love him with all your heart. Love other people like you love yourself. Come on, let's do this. I was speaking at a conference, it was about three years ago now, and some guy said to me, uh, Martin, I'm doing a fire tonight at my place, I want you to come. I said, love to, but I can't get there till 11. He goes, ah, we'll still be there. A lot of people will be there. Come. So it was a few minutes after 11. I waded through the darkness and went to a fire. He told me there would be both women and men, and there were only men left. And when I sat down, I figured out quickly why the women had left. It wasn't that interesting. And so there were, uh, there were 12 guys sitting around the fire. So I stepped in and had a seat. And they just kept talking. One guy talked particularly too much. And I thought, I'm only going to stay here a few minutes. This isn't, it's kind of not worth that while, so I'll probably leave. And finally, the guy who invited me broke in. And he said, guys, we can have this conversation anytime. Martin's here. It's rare that we get to have a conversation with somebody like him. I have no idea what somebody like him means. It makes me a little nervous. But he goes, Martin, here's the deal. Here's what we want. You always, you always talk about going to the next level. Next level of life, next level of faith, next level of your leadership. You're always the next level guy. Here's what we want. Give us the secret to going to the next level. I went, there's, there's a secret? Like, nope, nobody gave me the secret. I, I don't know what the secret is. And I thought, do I give them what they want or do I give them what they need? Uh, I never go soft. So I thought, I'll give them what they need. So guys, here's the deal. I'm not sure it's worth wasting a secret on you, 
I was buying time. Not sure it's worth wasting a secret on you. I need to know what I'm working with. I have one question. Do you love God with all your heart? No discussion, no talking. It's a simple yes or no. Because we've got to know what we're working with here. So I pointed to a guy I'd never met, and I said, you start. Love God with all your heart, yes or no? No. Next, no, no. Got to number four, yes. I thought, okay, i got something to work with. As we kept going around the circle, no, 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 no. I had one yes and 11 no's. So I just stood up and I said, no sense in wasting a secret on you guys. Here's the deal. I'll be back tomorrow night, 11 o'clock. You do whatever it takes in the next 24 hours. You fast, you pray, go back to Older Testament, pluck your beard, pull your hair, throw some ashes on top of you. There's a beach over here, put your head in the sand, keep it there till you can't breathe anymore, and then stay a little longer. Whatever it takes, quit lying to yourselves. It's time to be real men. Quit lying to yourself. Come on. So at 11 o'clock, oh, wait, before, as I was walking away, I walking through the darkness, and I heard steps. Now, I live closer to New York City than you all do. When you're down there and you hear steps, you assume the position. So I thought, I've not punched anybody in a long time. <laughs> Unfortunately, one of the next things ran in my head is, I'm kind of looking forward to this. Sorry, I needed to get that out. And so as the steps got closer, I just happened to turn and spin. And the guy goes, oh, big boy, settle down. And he goes, let me walk with you for a little bit. He said, I don't know if you knew who was around that fire back there. I said, no, nope, only the guy that invited me. He goes, when you humiliated all of us, he said, I looked around and thought, everybody here is at least a millionaire. Most are multiples. One guy, a couple hundred million. There's one guy I don't know. He's somewhere between a quarter billion and a half billion. And I said, well, what's your point? And he put his arm up around my shoulder, and he goes, those guys could have funded your ministry really well. And I stopped and I looked at him and I said, do I look like the kind of guy who'd sell my soul for a few million? I said, you, you don't get to come tomorrow night. You need two days, two days to fast and pray. You don't get to come back tomorrow night. You come, we'll thrash you. Don't come. So 11 o'clock, I walked in. There were 11 guys around the circle. I said, let's see what we have. Again, pointed to a guy I didn't know. I said, are you in? Love God with all your heart. He goes, absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. Guys are choking back tears. I said, okay, now. Now we can have the conversation we need to have. That conversation went till 2.20 a.m. And I cut it off because I had to speak at 8 in the morning. Here's what I found interesting. A bunch of them had their families and spouses with them. By lunch the next day, seven of the 11 women in the lives of this guy came to me and said, what happened last night? I said, what happens at the fire stays at the fire. And they said, normally, I'm the one that wants to talk. He talked for two hours. Something about a freedom in the soul. This is amazing. So guys, let's talk about it. Where do you get to have those conversations? 
Women, who do you identify with? That you can have the kind of conversations where you just know. This one is for the soul. There's a freedom that comes. It's amazing. It really is. It really is about love. When people describe these kinds of things, there's three, three descriptors all happen to start with F. People said they feel full and they feel free and they're more fun. This woman obviously had the free and full down. Let's talk about the religious spirit for just a moment because we're in church. We have to. Because when religion takes over, it's no longer about love. When religion takes over, we start to calculate, we keep track. It's like we want credit for how well we have done. We evaluate ourselves, we evaluate others. There's a critical and judgment spirit that comes in. We judge activities and behaviors and sometimes even motives. In a worst case scenario, we assume that our personal opinion is equal to God's. I've been on enough church boards, I know how this goes. Not true. And it limits your freedom, and it limits your love. Today is about healing of your life. This woman had a whole life healing. She probably needed a lot. The reputation in the town was she was one of those. I'll just stop for a minute. Unfortunately, we don't update our view of people enough. There are some of us, and when we get together for family holidays, there's somebody who made a bad choice a number of years ago, and we still define them by that. Please know God does not do that to you. And as his representatives, please don't do it again. She was known in the town as the sinful woman, not the woman that Jesus had given a whole life healing to. So update your views. And as you're doing it, update your view of yourself too. Yeah, it's time. The healing of the life is your body, it's your soul and spirit. It's the emotions and the depth of your heart. Today is kind of a healing season service. In the next 60 seconds, there are some of you here today, and you know it, that you're going, I need what the woman needed. I need a healing of my life. And you're going to, I'm going to ask you in about the next 45 seconds, to just stand where you are. And we are going to pray a release over you that starts a new life journey. There'll be things happen inside you you've never experienced before. Where there was hopelessness, there'll be hope. Where there were broken places, they'll be healed. It would be like a whole bunch of your old debt and account is just wiped clean and you start over. And it'll be like being in an installment of new software in the soul. You got about 20 seconds. We're not pushy. Just want you to think through. If you're one of those today, 
going to ask you to stand in just a few moments. After that, Rob's going to talk you through what physical healing will look like as well. For some of you, it's a double day. You get the double dip. Healing of your life and then healing of your body. If you're one, you know it. If this is your day for a new life, a fresh start, a healing of your life, just stand where you are right now and walk you through a prayer. You know who you are. You've got two options. You can't look down. You either look up or unfortunately you look at me. Let's do this. Let's do this. You're no longer what you once were. It's time to change. You know it. The people who love you most know it. It's time to put a stop. It's time to enter a no excuse zone. No blaming, no excusing. Let the attitudes go. It's time to take some personal responsibilities and say, I'm going to take this and I'm going to hand it over to the Father of my soul. I'm going to ask for an installment. New software put in, new thought processes, new patterns. Identify the two things that you know you need to leave behind and leave them behind. I want you to hear this. Everybody, I want you to hear this. No matter who you are, no matter what you have done, no matter what has ever happened to you, no matter what you need, Jesus heals it. Promise. It's what he does so well. And so now just put the arms out. Come on. It's time to download this thing. As a father of their soul, God, come, touch each one. Let them see themselves taking the old stuff and putting it aside. Historically, we've said we're going to leave it at the foot of the cross of Jesus. He takes our sins away. Take them. Take them as far as the east is from the west. And then come and do a download. A download of new thought processes. A new sense of fullness and freedom and fun. It's joy to the world season. Give them that kind of joy. And so tonight, tonight as they wander off to sleep, come on, speak their name in a way that they can hear and bring a complete healing to their life. We look forward to the stories that are to come. You do this so well, so well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Please be seated. We'll talk to you after the service. You know, I, I grew up in a church, and honestly, uh, I never saw a lot of significant activity from God. Healings, deliverance, freedom, stuff like that. My problem was I read the Bible. And it messed me up because that's not what happened in Scripture. Jesus did really cool things. I just want you to listen to this summary passage about Jesus. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all through Syria. 
People brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demonized, those who were influenced by evil spirits, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and he healed them all. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. No wonder they followed him. Everywhere he went, people were getting changed. See, this is what I love about Jesus. Listen, you know, I, I, I went to church for years and years. Church was boring. Jesus is the most compelling person I have ever met in my life. Love Jesus. My problem was what I was seeing in church wasn't matching what I was reading in Scripture. So it began a journey for me of trying to somehow or another close the gap. See, when what you read in Scripture disagrees with what your life is experiencing, you only have two options with the gap. Option number one is you somehow or another excuse why God doesn't do what He used to do. And you lower the expectation of Scripture. Or, option number two, you feel the discomfort of the gap and you choose to elevate your faith and life to start to close in on what God says He can do. That's and good. so for me, I went, I'm closing this gap. Spin the clock forward, you know, this was as a young guy and I started believing this stuff, preaching on this stuff. I started praying for sick people, but I wasn't seeing a lot. Yeah, I mean, every once in a while we'd see somebody healed, something would happen, but I wasn't seeing the kind of things that I read about in Scripture, and I knew there was still a big gap. So I finally, you know, I started, I, I, I got to go after this stuff. You know, I said, Jesus heals. This is who He is. He's a healer. So I, I want to see these things too. So I said to my wife, I'm going to go to some healing conferences, read some healing books, because I want to see some of the stuff that I've never seen before, like they saw when they followed Jesus. So I went to a couple healing conferences. You know what? I saw some amazing things. But the difference was they were doing it, those who were preaching this stuff on the stage, but I was still just in the audience. And I'm like, that's not good enough, God. So I want to I be there, and I want to see it, and I want to see it when I'm with you, not just when I'm on a big stage with somebody else. And this is who you are. You didn't change, you know, whether you're out in California or you're someplace else or whether you're in where I was in the Boston area or where you're in Saratoga Springs. He's still Jesus. He hasn't changed. So I uh, finally I was driving home from one of these conferences one day, and I said to Jen, that's it. I'm not going to any more of these conferences. I'm done with these conferences. I'm not getting what I need. I said, I'm going to take a trip to a missions field where I, I can see stuff I've never seen. Like I've prayed for people, you know, who had knee pain, and the knee pain went away, stomach pain, stomach pain went away, shoulder pain, you know. And I said, but it's all stuff that you can't really, you know, it's not visible, verifiable. I said, I want to go and see blind eyes open. I want to see people who were born blind see. People who were born deaf hear. I, I want to see people who have tumors and it disappears in front of my eyes. So I said, I'm going to go on the, one of these trips to a mission field where they see this kind of stuff, you know. Literally, we're driving back from Pennsylvania, and as I'm driving on the road, I get an email bop up on my phone, and I made Jen look at it, and the email was from a guy who I had met twice, and in the email, this is what he wrote. He said, I feel led by God to give you $20,000 to take your family on a trip to Brazil to see some of the miracles that are happening there. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I call that a pretty good answer to prayer. 
So I said to Jen, we're going. So we set aside time, went to this trip to Brazil. And listen, when I was there in Brazil, I saw tons of healing, okay? I mean, but, but all the stuff I saw was all stuff that I'd seen before. Again, it was the shoulders, the backs, you know, the, the knees, all these kinds of things. And it wasn't the visible stuff, the blind eyes opening, the deaf ears, the stuff that Jesus did. And I said, Lord, I got one last day in Brazil. We were there for like 10 days. I said, this last day, I'm not praying for anybody with back aches, shoulder pains, knee pains, stomach ailments. I said, you know, the rest of the team can pray for all that stuff. I am only praying for stuff that when it happens, I know it was you. And I, you know, you pray for somebody's knee and they go, yeah, I feel better. You don't know if they feel better, right? But you pray for somebody with a tumor and a sucker disappears on you, you know that's God. So I said, I'm only praying for visible stuff. So I prayed for one guy who was blind. He was born blind for 45 minutes. Nothing happened. I prayed for another person. She, too, was born blind. 45 minutes. Nothing happened. I was getting a little discouraged. You know, this one guy comes up to me, and he's got a knee thing. And I'm like, all right, well, it's the end of the night. I'm going to pray for this guy, even though I said I wouldn't pray for any knees. So, and he had a knee brace, right? So I pray for his knee, and he starts jumping up and down. I'm like, all right, well, this is legit, right? Well, the next thing I know, he runs to the back of the church. I have no idea. I think he's just excited, right? And all of a sudden, he comes back, and he brings his wife, and she has a tumor. She's a little short gal. And her, she was real thin, but her tumor came out past her chin. And I look in her eyes, and I'm telling you, tears streaming down her face. She is desperate. And I'll tell you why she was desperate. You have to understand the place that I was in. It was a 24-hour trip to get to the local hospital. You had to go down a river. They didn't have cars to get there. You had to go down a river. And then when you got there, you had to pay cash for whatever service you had. This woman had no cash. She had no way. There was no way. You know what? If Jesus didn't heal her, there was no hope. And I looked at her and I thought, now I'm ready, Lord. And I laid my hand on her throat where this tumor was, and I prayed one word, go. And the sucker shrank under my hand. And she is just tears streaming down her face. And it shrank the first time I prayed that one phrase, two-thirds of the tumor disappeared. The second time I prayed the phrase, go in Jesus' name, the rest of it disappeared. And I mean, 30 seconds, and the thing was gone. She starts jumping up and down, and she's hugging me. He's hugging me. By the way, I don't speak the language, right? So we have no idea, but I can tell you what was happening. It was sheer celebration because it was obvious that only Jesus could do this. Listen, I want to tell you something today. Jesus hasn't changed. Scripture actually says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still the most compelling person I've ever seen. Don't make it about anybody that's praying for you, but today, if you need physical healing, we're going to pray, but I, I, I just have a couple of admonitions before we start. First, for those of you who were here yesterday, we don't want you to stand this time right now, okay? We, we want to give people that weren't here an opportunity to stand first. And secondly, those of you who are here yesterday got some training on prayer, and I want you to be on the prayer team, okay? So if you are here not from yesterday and you need physical healing, would you just stand right where you are right now? Because we want to pray because it's, it's not about us. It's all about Jesus, and we're happy to pray for you in Jesus' name. Yeah, just stand right where you are. 
Excellent. Now, for those of you who were here yesterday, we gave you a, a, an example of how to pray for people, and I want you to use that ministry model that we taught you yesterday. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask you what would you like Jesus to do for you. And so that's what they're going to do. So we're going to have some people gather around you, stay standing. And those of you who were here yesterday and got some training, why don't you join us on the prayer team? benediction and, and then we're going to have uh, those of you who are still praying you can linger there that's fine but we want to be able to dismiss people here at service uh, he has a word for you for those of you who stood a little earlier to be prayed for please make contact with somebody here they're, uh, they're not going to like follow you up and hunt you down but these next few days and next steps are crucial for you so elders, church leaders, if you could make your way, a couple of you out there, some of you are going to stay here and continue to pray for people. But those of you who are good at remembering people's names, please, let's, uh, let's be responsive to those who've come. And we'll continue to pray with and for people. I just want to say to the church, you've done well this weekend. You came with an expectancy of what God could do, and he has delivered well. I don't know about you, but on days like this, I think, I think this is what God wants the church to be. So you've done well. Keep it going in the region. Why don't all of you stand with us and let us give you a, a word of blessing. Uh, so the only rule of thumb with us blessing is you have to look at us. We don't bless people who won't look at us. So it's just the way it is, okay? Now, may you know the tender affections of your Father in heaven. Yeah. May the Holy Spirit take that which is known to you and make it revealed deep in the inner recesses of your heart and soul. May you walk in the freedom and fullness that Jesus has purchased for you with his death and resurrection. And may you live as citizens of the kingdom to the glory of the King. May you carry his presence everywhere you go. And may you up your fun quotient. Some of you are obviously dealing with a deficit here, and it's the kingdom of heaven. So come on. In these next few weeks, may you have a new level of being able to both give and receive the love you've always wanted. Amen. Express it to the God as the father of your soul and to the people closest to you. Just be a witness, a Give a word of what God is up to in your life. If it's very simple, don't make it long. No religious words. Just the best of God in your life. We look forward to stories that will come of healings, of life change, of passing it on. Amen. Today we simply bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Have more fun than you used to have. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.